one of the key things I do, and I'm sure you do as well, is to help founders make the connections. I think one of the really great things about being in an angel investor network like ours is that there are so many people who are the best business people in the country who are running significant businesses and you have their numbers in your phone. You can call them up. Yes. How often do you do that? Building wealth is the ultimate goal for every entrepreneur. But here's the problem. Not all of us make it to the finish line. How do we achieve product market fit here in the Caribbean? How do we attract investors into our startups? How do you become one of the few winners who makes it? Those are the questions. And this podcast will provide the answers. I'm Sandra Glasgow, co-founder of Jamaica's first angel investor network, First Angels JA. I've dedicated the past 40 years to developing our entrepreneurial ecosystem and created the Caribbean's first virtual incubator, RevUp. We'll share our experience and give you access to our network of successful entrepreneurs winning right now. This is From Startup to Scale-Up podcast by RevUp. My guest for this episode of From Startup to Scale-Up is Wayne Sutherland, an experienced investor who has been advising founders and investing in startups for many years. He is an early member of the First Angels JA Network, which is Jamaica's first angel investor network, and he's also a board member of First Angels Jamaica. His company, Venco Limited, is a holding company for most of his investments. He is skilled in negotiation, in business planning. He has C-suite experience in companies involved in manufacturing and IT. He's a skilled strategist, and he has an MBA from Columbia University, the Columbia Business School. I'm Sandra Glasgow, co-founder of the First Angels JA Network and managing director of RevUp Caribbean. Wayne, I want to welcome you to my living room and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Sandra. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Lovely. Um, Listen, I hope if you hear the birds chirping too much in the background, please forgive them. I've recently got a new bird feeder, and I have a flock of birds out there. It's it's soon going to bankrupt us, in fact. (laughs) So I'm happy to have you here to talk about entrepreneurship and angel investing. I think both of us share a mission to support founders, to support the local ecosystem, and to help um, founders learn about the things that will make them successful um, as they start and scale their businesses. I wanted to talk to you today about some of the experiences that you have had as an angel investor and the advice that you would give to founders as they um, navigate this perilous path to entrepreneurship. (laughs) Definitely. One of the main reasons that I'm in, in angel investing, apart from the fact that I expect to get a return on my funds, is to help develop the local e- ecosystem, to help entrepreneurs 
and founders, um, you know, succeed because Jamaica needs the success of all the young business people, not necessarily young, all yeah. the business people, you know, to help the economy and the country move from strength to strength. Yes. And, you know, I'm really um, very excited about the number of young people and even older ones who are venturing into entrepreneurship and really making a difference. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about your experience as, a, as an investor and particularly as an in, angel investor and more particularly as one of the members of the First Angels Network. Um, and I really want to explore with you um, what are some of the um, issues that you have encountered as an angel investor and some of the advice that you would give to founders who are interested in growing and scaling their businesses. And I, I really want to start with, really, what do you do as an angel investor? What is it you do? Well, as an angel investor, our first job is to find suitable um, companies or projects to invest in. Mm -hmm. And then when we do that, is uh, we would like to we work with the persons and the te and their teams in order to help them move forward. It's very important for us to guide them, um, for them to benefit from the advice of you know it's twenty seven of us in the network with all different types of backgrounds and experience. We can find experience in almost any industry um, to help guide and move them along. Also to to help them navigate the path to, through regulations and, and, and issues that they will face as young business people. One of the other major things too is to help them to learn the skills required for them to be successful in business. And that's one of the reasons why First Angels and particularly Sandra <laughs> was involved in starting RevUp mm -hmm. to, to, to help close that gap because we have seen it mm -hmm. during the time that we have been involved in the angel investing. And I know that uh, one of the key things I do, and I'm sure you do as well, is to help founders make the connections. I mean, I think one of the really great things about being in an angel investor network like ours is that there are so many people in, you know, who are sort of at the, the best business people in the country yes. um, who are running significant businesses. And you have... There are numbers in your phone. You can call them up. Yes. How often do you do that? Regularly. Because, um, you know, as I said before, we have people in, in the network from every conceivable area. And if you have a problem with finance, you know who to call. If you have a problem with accounting, you know who you could call. If you have a problem with regulation, there there's attorneys. Um, so, you know, the, the people who we need to find are in the network are known to people in the network. And even if we don't know them, one of our people will know somebody that they could um, ask us to suggest to us to check. Yeah. So let me ask you about some of the investments that you have made. What is the sort of size check that you would typically write? I've written from small checks of $5,000 US to up to $275,000 US in, in, in single investments. And, you know, I would probably want to invest uh, maybe 20000 at a time along with the group of investors um, in, the, in the opportunity. Mm. And say that large check, 
would it have been a one-time investment or do you, you know, invest in different rounds? How do you go about doing that? Well, it wasn't a single check. It was um, over time we invested more and more funds as milestones were achieved because um, it's better to have this, the money, you know, stage over time mm-hmm. rather than putting it up front, having all the risks without any achievements behind it. Yeah. So let me ask you about maybe the best investment you've made. Can you, without divulging what it was, um, can you sort of share some of the characteristics of that investment? There are some things that investment needs to have. It needs to have a potential for, for um, very high earnings. And, you know, the business, the size of the, opportun- the business opportunity has to be significant. Um, so first of all, it had a big, big market that it could go for. Um, it has the ability to, um, to grow outside of Jamaica which even makes the market even bigger, which is another important thing. The, the founders and entrepreneurs themselves have to have vision, have to be prepared, and have to be people that you can work with. The biggest problem I've had is where that situation fell apart with the relationship between founders and investors, mm-hmm. and it went nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the quality of the team is very important. They have mm-hmm. to have experience in the specific field that they are working on. So they don't have to have every experience. They don't have to be finance experts. They don't have to be marketing experts. Yeah. But if IT is their expertise, they, they better be good at that. So if they are good IT people, then they have the IT in place and we work together to cover some of the other um, gaps. So wait, let me ask you about the most exciting uh, experience you've had uh, as an investor? Well, it's the, the most exciting thing about, in, uh, about angel investing is to, is to work with the young people and the, with the projects that have the ability to disrupt the market, uh, projects that have big, big potential, and to work with them to, to help them get to a point where it can be, the project can be executed successfully and uh, a difference is made to the society. Yeah. I mean, that, that's really what excites me, too. It's, yes. um, you know, young people. It doesn't have to be it's young not people. young. I, I shouldn't who, say young. <laughs> <laughs> who come with, with great ideas. Mm-hmm. I think, though, the challenge is moving those ideas from concept to reality. Eh? That's, yes. that's really the challenge before the, the founders and the boards. And that's one of the reasons why RevUp is such an important um, institution, because the, the job of RevUp is to, is to help with that. It's an incubator, um, you know, and as you know, Sandra, because you are the founder, um, is to help people move from concept and, you know, early execution and to give them the rounded um, skills to allow them to, to, to successfully compete. Yeah, and, and I think one of the, the, the key things about RevUp is that we have a lot of people. Our presenters are experts in their field. They have access to mentors. Um, they have access to people in the First Angels Network, you know, and um, really I have seen people, I think you are, you, you chair one of the boards of our, 
um, yes. portfolio companies mm -hmm. that really brought a new innovation to the market. It's taken some time to, to get up and running, but I, you know, it's, I think for me, it's exciting to see those green shoots start sprouting and that you can see that this business is going to be successful. Definitely. Yeah. Now, I know that um, one of the challenges I've had with some of the founders that I've invested in is that they, they don't like to bring bad news, eh? Yes. Um, <laughs> I remember one, one, um, one founder who um, said, no, he's not going to tell his board <laughs> this bad news. And, I, and, and, you know, I had to counsel him. I say, well, that's what you ought. You, you, your board doesn't want to only hear good news. They want to understand what's going on in the business and help you to overcome those issues. That's true because um, the bad news is part of business. And um, when you bring it to the board and you have the benefit of, of you know, experience that may have encountered similar issues before, oh, um, to help navigate is much better than keeping it hidden and then it's too late to do anything about it. So I would encourage all founders to, to bring these things to the board because that's what the board is for, to help work on the problem, get it solved, and get us moving forward. Yeah, and you know, I've, I've always said uh, angel investing is, a, is like a marriage. Eh? It's a long-term partnership. And I think one of the things that we really work hard at is building those relationships with our founders. Um, making sure that we are, you know, it's, it's very clear how we operate so that we can build trust because trust is at the heart of trust good investing. Is, eh? Trust is critical. In mm -hmm. fact, I've moved trust and ability to, to get on with founders to the top of the list mm -hmm. of issues to evaluate when it comes to whether or not to invest in a business. Yeah. Because I've seen it firsthand before I was involved in First Angels, where we had an investment and the relationship between the founder and the, the, the investors and board members fell apart. And it ended up with everybody going to lawyers and the lawyers writing letters. And all this time, the, the project falling behind. And in the end of the day, the whole thing collapsed and everybody went to zero. Founders and investors mm -hmm. crashed completely. And it was because of a breakdown in trust. So, and the inability to get on. So, I mean, these are some of the factors now that you have to put at the top of the list. How, how do you, having had that experience, what do you do differently? Well, no, I mean, in, we are, we're now looking at using some psychometrics you know, evaluations to see, you know, what, what type of person we are dealing with to see if it can give us some insight that wasn't, you know, there easily um, discernible. discernible. <laughs> yes. Right. I know that, you know, there's a member of our network who always says, you know, I, if I believe in a founder, it doesn't really matter what the business is because I think that that person is going to be successful no matter what they try their hand at. Is that something you, you agree with? Would yes, you I believe that that's a very good principle. 
But mm-hmm. I also believe that, yes, you can work with the, the person, but, you know, let them go through the iterations of choosing which era they want to go into and then we go into it rather right. than just... Anything. Anything. But yeah. the, 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 the person is very, very, very critical. Right, right, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I see a lot of um, founders coming with sort of copycat um, ideas. Um, how do you feel about, you know, people who are coming with these kinds of ideas? What should they be, you know, how do you feel about trendy sort of businesses? It's important to be, to be in business in an in a industry that is going to move forward mm-hmm. and has future potential, you know, and if it's trending, it could likely be one of those areas. But it's all, you also need to have some type of competitive advantage um, while going into the, you know, the, the, the big sea of people in the same um, kind of industry. Yeah, because I, I know that, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the founders I, I encounter will say, oh, there's no competition because we are the only ones doing this. You know, that's, that's a dangerous kind of way of thinking, isn't it? It is, because even sometimes you don't see what the competition is. The competition is always around. There's no easy way to make money in, in life. Mm-hmm. Everything that looks easy is not easy, because there are some things, some challenges that you're going to have to face. If it was easy, then everybody would be rich <laughs> right. and comfortable in terms of their financial situation. Yeah. All right, so um, you've talked about the size checks that, that you write. What are you looking for in, in the pitch? What are some of the, the key um, elements you are looking for in the pitch? Uh, for example, valuation. I know this is a, 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 a topic that a lot of people get all excited about. Well, to tell you the truth, valuation is not the first thing that you look at. First of all, you want to make sure that the business is sound and the people who, are, who have come forward have the ability to, to move it forward, even if they need guidance. Um, the valuation comes after when you, um, when you actually see that there is going to be a potential for you to achieve something. Because it's one thing for you to have an idea and say the idea is worth you know, 20 million or 30 million or 50 million, but you haven't done anything yet. Those valuations like that, you know, to me, they, they don't mean anything because it's not a real value. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what are you looking for um, when somebody says, I think my startup company is valued, you know, 65 billion US dollars? I would be looking for the, um, the, the, the plans. So it's not just the financials. No, no, It's no. really how everything is everything, going to come the, together. The complete plan. Mm-hmm. How are they going to achieve this? Mm-hmm. Financials, you know, um, anybody can print numbers on a paper. And in fact, I would say 99% of the financials we have seen from startups over the years, either with First Angels and otherwise, are not achieved. So it looks good and it looks and sounds achievable when, before you start, but it's likely not. And sometimes even with a successful business, they will achieve, but maybe over a longer time frame than what they are, they are put forward or at a different scale from what, what they are doing. It's just not usual for five years and the business 
become a multi-billion dollar business with no issues, mm -hmm. everything on schedule, and achieve the projections. So projections is not the key, but you must have projections that look like they could possibly be achieved in due course. But so if the time frame is wrong, it doesn't frighten me. If I, but if I think the project, the product or the project has the potential mm -hmm. to one day get there, then I'm interested. Yeah. Is there anything else? I mean, in terms of the pitch, I know a lot of people um, enter pitch competitions and they're good at pitching. How important is that? Their, you know, the presentation of the pitch. You know, presentation is always important, but it's clearly not, to me, not the number one factor. I've gone to presentations that are not really so great, but the original idea is good and the potential in my mind is there. So what you do is that you, you work with those people to see how they can move forward from there because they have the fundamentals um, for success, but maybe they are just not too good at pitching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's just not enough to, to be good at pitching. It's the no. content of the pitch is more important. More eh? important, Absolutely. yes, definitely. Yeah. So you sit on the board, I know you sit on the board of one of our investee companies in First Angels um, in the portfolio. By the way, how, how do you... Um, you know, what sort of returns are, are you taking a portfolio approach when you invest? Uh, and how, how do you, what are your expectations for returns over a period of time? Yes, I'm taking a portfolio view. Um, based on my experience um, in the past, um, where we had a portfolio of about 10 companies, one of them did super well. You know, two or three did okay, fear, and then the rest of them barely recover investments or, you know, went to zero. So the one good investment actually made up for all of the other failures. So I am also looking for a portfolio of a minimum of 10 investments, and I would want to achieve at least a 20% return on the overall portfolio over time, maybe five years or mm -hmm. even seven years. Mm -hmm. Because my goal is my goal to be involved in this is not strictly a hundred percent financial. I also have a national development um, mindset. No, that's that's really important. So after the invest, after you have invested, you you've talked earlier about your role as a a board member. Yes. Um. So you sit on boards. Yes. Um. What could what can founders expect? once they've got an investment from you in terms of, you know, the governance? Well, they can expect to, to, to deal with a, a set of persons on their board who have a lot of experience and would be able to guide them through a lot of the issues that they would normally face. Um, a lot of founders um, have problems keeping their, getting their corporate governance right, getting their financial statements right, getting, um, staying in compliance with the regulations. And these things are all critical for when you have to deal with investors. These things have to be done. And bringing together a board that, that is experienced can help you with contacts to help the business grow and advise us how to, to get out or to solve the problems that you have with some of the, the basic areas that you have to get 
Right. And, and what are your expectations about, say, frequency of meetings and, you know, what what do founders have to do to, to you know, make reports to their investors? Well, um, most of us who sit on these boards have experience with a lot of other boards. And we know that it's a balancing act between reporting and getting the regular work done. But there's some reporting that will be required. Financial information so we can track how well the business is doing or is there a problem that is coming up on the horizon. And we have to have discussions about how we're moving forward. What are the basic strategies? How, are the, how is the implementation going? Is there any help that can be given in, in, in executing that? Because the founders, the, the founders' job is to actually execute it. And our job is to guide, but of course we help when we have to. And you're certainly not in the weeds in the business. You're providing that oversight. Um, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, maybe they can cut corners by, you know, not complying with, <laughs> with taxes, for example. How, how do you, what is your view on that? Yeah. I mean, a lot of small businesses have that sort of mindset that this is one way that I can, um, you know, I can evade, avoid, evade these taxes and I'll be okay. You know, those, that's like having an anvil over your head because one day it's going to, it's going to it's drop. Second, it's a red flag, really, because if, if you want to, um, to operate business without satisfying the requirements, it suggests that you might not be as... Um, your integrity level might not be where it should be. And then that would, you would think that that would, could expose the business to other risks if the person doesn't have the necessary integrity. And, you know, like evading customs duties and those things. Um, you know, my, my chairman at Jamaica Venture Fund, Dr. Noel Lyon, he always used to tell us, do not found any business that's based on a loophole or, uh, you know, uh, evasion of, of the right way to do things because one day those things could be closed and the business will just immediately be over. I think that's really good advice. Mm -hmm. You know, let's, let's switch a little bit to, to RevUp because, you know, we were created by First Angels investors, mm -hmm. as you said earlier, because of the concern about the gaps in knowledge and skills. Um, <clears throat> What would you say to people who are starting or scaling their businesses? Or maybe they're not looking for funding. Is, do you think there's any value in still going through an incubator like Revel? Definitely. The, you know, the truth is that most of the people who are going into business at this stage is the first business that they are going into. Mm -hmm. So the, the experience level, although they think maybe that they, they are able to do it, Sometimes the benefit of going through an incubator, which takes you through a formal process of, you know, looking at the business, gaining um, knowledge in the areas that you might not be 100% up, up with, is very, very critical. Because, you know, lack of knowledge about things and lack of exposure, lack of understanding what you need to do, I would think maybe those are the main reasons why young businesses don't, don't move forward. And what would you say are some of those areas that they, you know, you found that founders really need to get up to speed on? One of the main areas is um, 
failure to understand the financial information. You know, so they are not seeing that they're going to run out of money in six months or three months. And it suddenly comes up on them because they are not tracking or keeping up with, with, with that information. So when you get up one day and realize there's no money, and that's the day that you're going to start thinking about how you're going to solve that problem, usually that results in bankruptcy and discontinuation of the business mm -hmm. because urgent raising of financing is a difficult um, proposition which, um, which is likely to fail. You know, it's interesting because um, one of the founders at, in whose business I have invested, um, you know, the last time her financial statements were produced was six months ago. And you kind of wonder, um, how are you operating this business if you are not clear about what the financial position is? How do we overcome that issue? Because I think it's a big, it's, a, it's something that I've seen all too often with founders. Uh, they're afraid of numbers, it seems, but how important is it for them to really get a handle and have, have a good system to record their financial information? or even to, to get professionals to produce their financial statements? Uh, to me, it is, it, it is critical. If you don't do any financials, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily audited by a professional auditor, but it needs to have an idea what is your revenue, what are your expenses, how much money you have, are you losing money, are you making money? If you're losing money, you have to know that you have to try to find a way to, to, to change that situation. If you, if you don't have any financial information, then you'd lose money until one day you realize that the hole that you're in is so big that you can't get out of it. Or, and I've seen it happen to people. Or maybe run out of cash because there's too much money on the road. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there, there's, there's so many things that your financial statements tell you about mm -hmm. the business. Eh? Yes. And unless you, if you don't have those... Um, you're really not getting the insights that you, you ought to have, eh? Definitely. What are some of the other areas you think that, um, I mean, one of the things for me is, and I find it actually the most difficult um, task that I've had as a CEO, is managing people. Managing people is always the most challenging um, task because you have to be able to, to figure out how to get everybody to work towards the goal that you want. Mm -hmm. And each person who is part of the team is probably, probably needs a different approach to, be, to, to deal with them because people are motivated by different things. You have one man that, if you tell him he's going to get a bonus at the end of the year, he's very motivated. And another person depends on what the relationship you and, and they have. That's the important mm -hmm. thing that, that motivates them. So. Is a, is a difficult and complex job, and I think most of the entrepreneurs that succeed um, have a handle on how to work along with people to put everybody on the same path. Okay. When, when we, you know, I'm talking to people who want to start a business, who are thinking about starting a business, um, maybe you have started a business and you want to, grow that business. What do you think are some of the, the key things that RevUp could support them with? I mean, 
what are some of the elements that they really need to know that RevUp could support them with? Well, I think, first of all, they have to ensure that their premise, their main focus of the business is something that can be achieved. Um, I see people say all the time, you know, all we have to do is get 1% market share. And when, when they say that, I, I get worried right away because 1% market share is, is, not, is, not, is much easier to say than to do. <laughs> and it's, some markets, you, you just, many markets, you just can't get 1%. Because the people you are competing with won't allow you to get the 1%. So, you know, you need to make sure that the premise that the business is based on has a real sustainable possibility of getting there. Meaning the strategies are there, the product is up to scratch, and the projections that you have, you know, are realistic. And the time that it's going to take. So I think RevUp could help with, you know, validating some of those things and also helping to supplement some of the thinking of, you know, I, we spoke about financial information, but the truth is that financial information and ability to understand how the business is doing is actually critical. So you don't have to be an accountant, but you have to understand how the business is doing. And you have to understand how your, how your competitive advantage is going to be sustained and to look at, you know, possible um, threats on the horizon. So to have a formal system of looking at the business and considering all of these things, like even the, the general business model canvas, helps you to look at it in a, in a holistic way. And when you go through RevUp, I'm sure that, you know, you will, you'll be much better off as a business person than you were before. Well, I can attest to that, and we have a lot of testimonials um, that, that can support that. And I don't know if you are aware, um, Wayne, but this is a five-month program that really gets into the weeds into these areas. I mean, we, we talk about going digital, you know, for you to understand what you need to do to create a business in this digital age that can you know, operate via a website or you can accept payments, e-commerce, those kinds of things. Marketing is a big focus um, and really understanding all the various elements of marketing because it's not, marketing is not just putting your stuff on social media. You know, it's really <laughs> understanding your customer, right. you know, what sales techniques you, you need to have. It's understanding how to manage your people. It's getting into understanding uh, th those financial statements that people are so afraid of, but that are necessary. And I, I just want to say for anybody who is watching that Revo provides a lot of resources, templates, for example, um, manuals that have a lot of detailed information. Um, we get into things like... Um, strategy growth and scaling. We look at corporate governance. We look at tax laws. It's a real in-depth curriculum that's delivered by people who are not, are not just experts, but actually have run businesses themselves. You know, so I want to, because I know a couple of weeks ago, we, you know, we had some pitch events. Um, let me ask you when, you, when you hear somebody pitching, 
what are some of the things they have done wrong that would say, no, I'm not going to invest in this business? One of the main things is to ensure that you can work with the, the, the founder. And you have some attitudes that I pick up sometimes of persons who are unwilling to listen to any advice that anybody gives them. Even people who, who, are, who are experts in that area. And I think that that is an important issue that um, would turn me off of doing an investment if the person is not willing to listen, not even listen, much less to accept the advice. Not even getting the feedback. <laughs> right, not even the <laughs> feedback, yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's definitely one. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, of course, unrealistic expectations, like meaning that they want a lot of money right now for a product that, or a project that, you know, isn't really ready for that. Mm -hmm. And we have also found that staging money based on um, achievements is much more important. And it, it shouldn't affect the project, but mm -hmm. it does reduce the risk of things going awry before they reach anywhere. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you, Wayne, for sharing the insights that you have gained over these many years as an investor. And I want to thank you on behalf of the founders um, who come to us for the great support that you have been providing. I mean, you are one of the stalwarts <laughs> in the First Angels Network. So I am very pleased that you are able to, to carve out some time today to talk to us. Well, thank you very much, Sandra. Uh, you know, I will, I love to try to make a difference. Yes, and we appreciate that. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to invite you to visit our website, revupcaribbean.com, to learn more about RevUp's five-month incubation program. This is a virtual program, and our cohort three is starting in a few weeks. And we'd love to invite you, if you are in Belize, Trinidad and Tobago, Barbados, Antigua, anywhere in the Caribbean, to join our cohort. We look forward to hearing from you.